It's not like butterflies and bubbles and like, oh, you know, I'm a Christian now and everything's going to be fine. It's like it's hard sometimes. But for this type of ministry, John left them. He couldn't handle it. Now what happens is, let's move to Acts 15. And in this place, as Paul and Barnabas, by the way, now it's interesting that they're Acts 15 verse 36. You can show up that scripture. Now, Paul and Barnabas had been ministering for a while in Acts 15, 36. And as they're ministering and they're carrying on, they realize that actually they need help. And, um, and I want you to watch this thing carefully. It says this, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and how they are. Now Barnabas, because of, of course, Barnabas, what was he called? Do you know what his name means, by the way? Who knows? The son of encouragement. Now Barnabas, of course, you can imagine him. Here is a, is a man who wants to think the best. And he says, I know. Why don't we bring along John called Mark? Let's bring him along with us. Let's give him a second chance. Let's bring him along and redeem him. And because there's so much on his life, let's bring him along into this ministry trip that we're going on. And then what happens is this. Verse 38, but Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So Paul's saying, ah, 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 no ways. I don't want this guy with us because he had left us and I don't know if I can depend on him. I don't know if I can rely on him. I need someone reliable. I don't want him. Now Barnabas is like, but we, let's give him a chance. Let's redeem him. Let's bring him back. And Paul says, no. What happens then? And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from one another. How's that? And so their, their, their band of brothers, their sense of the two of them, oh, the joyful band, you know, oh, happy band, oh, happy brothers that, that are journeying together in Jesus, planting churches. There's a disagreement and they actually split up their partnership and they go other ways. Paul takes Silas and he begins to partner with Silas. And Barnabas takes young John Mark with him into the ministry. Now you might look at that and go, isn't that sad? And yes, sometimes when conflict happens, people split up. They go their own separate ways. But the result is they're now two teams instead of one. So that's a good thing. Now, this is what happens. Now, we can imagine, for whatever reason, I don't think John Mark maybe was very happy with Paul. That he thought, hey, Barnabas has given me a chance, but not, jo but not Paul. And so I think their relationship, I'm assuming, probably wasn't the easiest. I mean, I don't think you would have liked to be rejected if you wanted a second chance. And doesn't God give us second chances? That doesn't he redeem us? Doesn't he? And for whatever reason, Paul felt not best to. But then what we do as we go later, and this is 12 years later when he writes Colossians, more or less church historians look at 12 years. And so 12 years later, as he, as he writes the book of Colossians, he mentions John Mark and he says to him, if John Mark, if Mark comes to you, I want you to welcome him. What does this tell us? That 12 years later, Paul and Mark had reconciled and they'd been working together again where there was some kind of reconciliation in their relationship. And Paul's letting them know, guys, actually welcome him because I've welcomed him back. And I want us to turn to 2 Timothy 4 verse 11. 2 Timothy 4 11. And again, I'm giving you like background, so stay with me. But guys, this is important. This is the New Testament. 
if we don't understand always these things, you know, this is part of actually knowing the Word of God. And in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11, it speaks about this, about, about Paul. And so this, by the way, when is 2 Timothy written? When was it written? 2 Timothy is written at the end of Paul's life. And Paul, by this stage, was an old man. He had the scars of ministry. He had poured himself out. And it says that he had run his race and was right at the end of his journey. And in this place, he says this, and I love this. Again, he says, personal instructions. That's a heading in your Bible. And in verse 11, he says, Luke alone is with me. By the way, he's in prison at this point. And then, no, 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 he's not at this point. Sorry. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. And again, they were partnering together. They were journeying together that he did not allow past issues to define their relationship. And friends, I just want to say with this guy, and the way that it works out for us, is that, you know, we will have disagreement among one another. But we should not allow past issues to determine a future together in God. And, you know, the way that God works it out is that he puts us together because we're on a mission for the Lord. We are planting churches. We are discipling the nations. If the Lord has added you to Josh Jen, that means, in a sense, you have signed up and the Holy Spirit has joined you because you want to be involved in discipling the nations, right? That's why we exist. We exist for something bigger than ourselves, not just that you can hear a nice message on a Sunday morning and you can hear like, oh, well, you know, Jesus loves me and I can go out my week again. God forbid. We exist so that we can partner together for the gospel. And so they are able to, to work together and they actually finish well. Don't you love that? Like a broken relationship that at the end of Paul's life, he says, but this man, Mark, oh, he's useful to me. He's, he's my brother in the ministry. He's useful to me. Don't you love it where we can end our lives? You know, and I've met so many people who at the, at the end of their life, they're old men and they're old women, and some of them are filled with bitterness. They're filled with resentment. They're filled with a sense of, you, you mentioned some people, and they're like, ah, that person, ah. And they, there's a sense of, like, there's unresolved issues. And friends, what, make, what defines the gospel is that when Jesus loves us, he transforms us that we can love those that we disagree with, and we can learn to get along. And so I want to ask you for that for you today, that if there's anyone in your life that maybe you're like a Paul, and they're like a John Mark, and you know that there's animosity or disagreements or difficulties, please, the Bible says that we've got to do everything we can to pursue peace with one another. In other words, it's, it says actually in Hebrews, make every effort. In other words, it's not just like, oh, well, I'm going to wait for that person to come to me. No, you have to make the effort for us to resolve things, because even in us as a church, if we want the blessing of God... It comes as we work hard on our relationships. It doesn't just happen automatically. And if you've got a question mark in your heart or in your mind that when you look at someone, even if you are here and you look at one of the leaders with a question mark in your heart and say, I don't trust that person, or that person hurt me, or that person, we will never walk into the blessing of God. And I want to say you will never have the favor and the blessing of God on your life. You might be saved, but you can never walk in what God has for you. Because those things, it's like it's, there's a route that takes place. It will stop you into the inheritance that the Lord has for you. And as we, as we look at the story, friends, we see something that I think we should 
pay careful notes and attention of. Okay, so sure, that was a bit stronger than I anticipated. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's true, and I don't know about you, but I know these are things I've had to wrestle with. I think for the biggest thing for me, you know, as a, as, just as a Christian, is I find that sometimes I allow little things to get into my heart, to my mind, that when I look at a brother in Christ, and sometimes where there's a bit of, I don't know if I like them, or I don't know if I get along, there's something in me that I have to learn how to, I'm going to choose to love that person, think the best in the Lord. Amen? All right. Let's look at the second individual. And the second man we're going to look at, so we look to John Mark, and we see the way that he greets him. But then there's another man that gets mentioned, and it gets mentioned very, very briefly, Colossians here. And it's a man by the name of Demas, or Demas, or Demas. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but we'll call him Demas. Okay? <laughs> Do any of you have a family member called Demas? Okay? I must quickly tell you a funny story. Um, I've got a friend who's a pastor. He was a pastor in uh, Durban, Andrew Thompson. And uh, he was involved in a church called Glenridge, a very well-known NCMI church we worked with. And Andrew Thompson was involved in student ministry in the University of, uh, not Durban, I think it's the University of Natal, KwaZulu-Natal, whatever it's called. And he was a res master. He used to, be, used to live in the residence, the hostel master. And at the beginning of the year, he was signing in students coming into the residence. And he was signing in Zulu students because there were many Zulu young men that were studying at the university. And so as he's writing down the names, there's a list of guys walking up, you know. And one young man comes to the table and he says to Andrew, well, Andrew says to him, what's your name, sir? And he says, my name is Judas. Judas. So he writes his name. Ah, Judas. He says, that's an interesting name. Do you know where your name comes from? And he and no, I don't. He says, it comes from the Bible. You should, you know, go check it out. <laughs> anyway, so he writes his name, and it's Judas. His name was Judas. Later on, there's another guy that comes to him. There's a few other names. And another guy comes to him the same evening, and he says, sir, what is your name? And the guy says, my name is Caiaphas. <laughs> Caiaphas and Judas were the two individuals who betrayed Jesus and had him crucified, essentially. Caiaphas was the high priest. And, and this guy's name was called Caiaphas. And he says, sir, do you know where your name comes from? And he said, no, I, I don't know where my name comes from. He said, your name comes from the Bible. You should check it out. <laughs> None of us would name our children Judas and Caiaphas. All right. We've got good names like Peter and John and Paul and Tyler and... Uh, Joel and Daniel and uh, Esther and Naomi, you know? None of us have names like Ichabod or Mephibosheth or, you know? Anyway, we've got this guy, Demas. What's that got to do with what I'm sharing? It's just a cool story. I just thought it was so interesting. Because absolutely nothing to do with what I'm sharing. But <laughs> don't you just love the world? I mean, don't you just love the church? I mean, I mean anyway, names are important, but this guy's name, Demas. <laughs> we know that he gets mentioned here in Colossians. And at this point, Damas is a co-worker of Paul. He's working with him. That's all we know. And he says, you know, Damas uh, greets you. He sends his greeting. But then later on, and I want us to look at 2 Timothy. Go back again to 2 Timothy. 
We'll go forward to 2 Timothy 4. And this again, remember, where is it? Paul's at the end of his ministry. And it, it, it mentioned about John Mark and how John Mark had reconciled and he was useful to him and he was a brother to him in many ways. But then he mentions the verse before, he mentions how things turned out with him and Damas. And look how sad this is in verse 10. Again, at the end of Paul's ministry, look what it says about Damas. It says, for Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone on to Thessalonica. That's good. That's it. Has gone on. And so this young man, or this man, Damas, who had worked, walked with Paul, served him in the gospel, he deserts him. He leaves him, and he goes on. And it says, why did he leave him? Because he was in love with the present world. That he had, he had been drawn away from the call of God on his life and drawn into the things of this world. You see, both of these men, Mark and Damas, both of them at some point had left him, but John Mark returns in some way, and Damas, we never about hear him about him returning. We just know that he drifted away and he fell in love with this world. And, and I want to say that, you know, when it says that he fell in love, he was in love with the present world, what does that mean? We don't know that he lost his salvation. It's not saying anything like that. He might have still been a Christian. But clearly something had happened to him in his heart that caused him to drift away from the call of God for his life. And, you know, for you and me today is I find that one of the great temptations that you face and I face when we follow Jesus is to be drawn away by the bling and by the allure and by the lights, the bright lights of this world. And I find it something Morris mentioned and something that I felt I wanted to mention this morning is that we face the temptation when you are red hot for Jesus. You know, it's one thing to be red hot for a period of time and you kind of stay red hot. But often we do get, we drift a little bit. We, we, it's easy to kind of slide away from the Lord. And, and the one thing that can kind of push, pull us away from the Lord is success and money and the fame and the things of this world that can draw us away from Christ. And for whatever reason, this young man, this man Damas, preferred the comforts of this world. He preferred, in a sense, personal safety and personal comfort rather than enduring with Jesus, with Paul, in what he had called him to. He was in love with this present world. The cost was too great. Um, and, you know, I find this that, and we've got a bit of a, a running, uh, this was in the early days of Josh Jen, and I want to sh- explain to you how this, this has happened for me in my life. And I've experienced this where I've at times felt pulled by the love of money. Although that, you know, I don't have that much, but I, we do have much compared to others. But I find, I find myself pulled by this allure of status and power. And, and when doors of opportunity open, it's like, why would I accept that job in another place? Is it because the Lord has called me? Or is it because, actually, it's, it's a temptation from the evil one. And, um, you know, we, uh, when we came onto eldership in Josh Jen, this was in about 2002, um, 20 years ago, we came onto eldership. And normally, the, the bit of the joke at the time was that if you get asked to come onto a leadership position in Josh Jen, you'll be offered some kind of crazy salary and a, and a move away from, from Cape Town. That was always because Russell, what had happened was Russell Fraser, that was a pastor with us, Andrew had asked him to come onto staff. And at the same time, he, he was headhunted. And in Johannesburg, they offered him a salary 
that was four times what he was earning in Cape Town and offered them the salary and offered him come to work with us. And he was faced with this position of like, what do I do? Um, when we came into eldership, at the time when Andrew asked us to come on, I was working as a school teacher and I remained as a school teacher for a number of years afterwards. But at that time, my family had started a business in the Seychelles. And um, many of you know that they, they run a distillery, an alcohol factory. And so the family joke with us is always, we're both in the spirit business. You know, I'm with the Holy Spirit, and they were the other kind of spirits. Um, and so they make rum and vodka. But my family asked me to, to invest into their business. And they said, you know what, you don't have to be involved but this is a family business, and if you invest a certain amount of money, actually we think that this, this business will grow, and this could be a wonderful income for you, that if one day you go into ministry, this can actually be a help for you. You don't have to be involved. You know, alcohol itself is not wrong, which I know. Al drinking wine by itself is not evil, or alcohol, but it's the... So I was trying to work out, and I prayed about it, and Adi and I felt like, no, we, we should not get involved in this, because it would be a temptation into something that was not where we were called to be. And, uh, and so what happened was my, my aunt bought into the business, and I think she had to put in, at that point, it was a lot of money. I think it wasn't much, but, you know, comparatively, it was about 25,000 rand. About five years ago, she sold her shares in the company, and she sold it for a million U.S. dollars. We heard about this, and I was like, ah. Oh. Should I have invested then, Lord? <laughs> you know, that, the, the company has grown, it's, it's, it's been successful. But you know, that was a temptation for me where that would have drifted me away from the call of God. And I think sometimes when we're dealing with money, we're dealing with opportunities, friends, sometimes that can be from the Lord. And if it's from the Lord, you need to keep your heart right with Him and keep Him at the center. But sometimes those opportunities might be a temptation away from God. And we have to discern those things. Sometimes you might get a job opportunity that might look good, but actually is that something that would be helpful for you in your walk with the Lord? And sometimes we chase after money rather than the kingdom of God first. And um, I'm not saying we don't manage that wisely or we don't look for opportunities. I'm not saying that. But clearly we have to do this in a way that is done. And for whatever reason, Damas does it, you know. And I want to close this by saying, we've got to guard our hearts against the love of money. Um, the scripture in Timothy says that, speaks about that, guard your heart against the love of money. Like, don't, because it's the snare and the root of all evil, the love of money. And so, I want to close, and I want to close with this as we looked at these two guys. One guy passes, the other guy fails the test. Lord, help us not to drift into worldliness. Um, and then lastly, I want to close with this. Let's look at the very last scripture. And it's in Colossians 2 verse 18. <clears throat> and then he, he closes the letter with this and he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. And then he says, grace be with you. And what he does is he starts the letter, actually, if you read the beginning of the letter, his letters always start with grace to you, grace and peace to you. And he ends his letters with grace to you, grace be to you. And you know, I want to end with that by saying that, that Christianity, 
as it's a team sport, as you're called to walk together in the Lord, that it's a walk of grace. And that this Christian life is one that starts in grace. In other words, God loves us undeservedly. We can't earn our salvation. And then it's a walk of grace where along the way, He empowers you and He gives you the strength to obey Him. That's also grace. And then the end of our walk is grace. And our relationships are covered with grace, covered with the aspect of grace be to you. And when we look at one another and as we journey together, we've got to be saying this to one another the whole time. Grace be to you. I will love you just as God loves me. I will forgive you as God forgives me. I will be one with you as I am one with the Lord because of what he has done in our lives. And, um, and, and so we do that. I know someone once said that marriage is the union, you've probably heard this, of two forgivers. That's what marriage is, the union of two forgivers. In other words, it's ongoing forgiveness that's extended to one another. And as we, as we run together in the Lord, as we journey for the gospel, we keep forgiving, we keep showing grace, and we keep moving forward. And so, yeah, that's what I had on my heart. And I'd like to pray for us as we close. And also trust that a couple of things, maybe the Lord wants to come and just come and put his finger on this morning as we do so. And I'm not sure if we want to respond in worship or something on that. Yeah. So let's pray together. Yeah. Let's see what the Lord wants to do. I, we've got time this morning, and so we're not going to rush. Let's see what the Lord wants to do this morning. Come, Lord. <clears throat> oh, we worship you this morning, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. Lord, we want to thank you for grace this morning. Lord, we want to thank you this morning that we have the smile of heaven over us. And that you say over us, grace, grace to you, grace to you. That we have a father who loves us, Lord. And we are covered by you because of what you've done. And Lord, this morning we just want to worship you. We want to adore you this morning. We just want to magnify your name. We just want to give thanks with a grateful heart. We want to give thanks for all that you are and all that you've done. And we worship you, Lord. We worship you this morning. We praise you this morning. Maybe we can just respond in worship. I, I, I want to, there are a couple of things that I felt like I wanted to put my, my to trust for prayer for. But I feel like we just, Let's stand together and let's, um, let's respond to him. Let's worship a bit. Mike, can I just say something? I, I think as we're going to um, just worship Jesus together, I also want to create a moment um, where Matthew 5, um, verse 23 and 24 says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and, and go. First be reconciled with your brother and come and offer your gift. And I think just in, what, in the line of what, I think there's a few responses even through um, what Mike has been sharing this morning. But if one of those things is that you know that you have something in your heart against somebody, there's maybe a, a thing that happened or and I don't want you just to bring your gift right now. To actually first go 